Welcome to the Evangelizing Catholic Culture Podcast Show with your host, Father David Tickerhoof, T-O-R. Father David is a retired priest currently ministering in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at Our Lady Queen of Peace House of Evangelization. You can find the show notes for each episode on the podcast website, evangelizingcatholicculturepodcast.com. The teachings in this podcast are the thoughts and prayers of Father Tickerhoof and are based upon his good standing in the Catholic Church. And now, here's your host, Father David. You can find the show notes for today's episode at evangelizingcatholicculturepodcast.com. Look for episode Path to Spiritual Freedom, Episode 9. Good day to everyone. This is Father David. I want to wish you all a very happy Easter as we rejoice in celebrating the wonderful gift of the resurrection today. I'm going to speak about, uh, uh, in this, uh, this Path to Spiritual Freedom, I'm going to talk about uh, the I would say the model of the church is really the, the mystical model. It's not the institutional model. It's not the sacramental model. It's more the mystical. The mystical model of the church focuses on the work of the Holy Spirit and grace. And that model is really what we're dealing with when we talk about a path to spiritual freedom. So I'm going to talk about that. And I'm going to give an example of saying a little formula that is power-centered uh, it's power-centered forgiveness, and uh, it, it's praying and interceding with the power-centered forgiveness in union with God and as one with God in Jesus. So we're going to start on that now, so I'm ready to begin. In light of the human condition, we face many struggles in regard to a reasonable approach to growing in spiritual freedom. Because of original and personal sin, the church will always need to be renewed and reformed until the end of time. This is one of the reasons why evangelization and sharing our faith with others is such an important consideration. There are other areas as well which usually need specific attention in relationship to spiritual renewal and reform in the church. Over the last five years, I have spent considerable time in six or seven parishes. Several of them have two priests stationed respectively in these parochial communities. Each week, less than 15 or 20 individuals celebrated the Sacrament of Reconciliation, and some were repeats. This raises the question as to how the faithful are relating to the notion of conversion and the sin problem in regard to spiritual freedom. Conversion and the sin problem are at the heart of sincere efforts to grow in Christian maturity. The fundamental issue in this effort is about change. Human change, for the better, is always a challenge and usually presents some elements of painful growth. Many find their best efforts on their own are unsuccessful and, and at times downright discouraging. 
powerlessness, helplessness, and failure by pure human effort alone can be very frustrating. Thus the need for abundant amounts of the saving power of grace to accompany sincere human effort. In relationship to prayer for intercession, most formal efforts seem to be very generalized, cerebral. Uh, we, we intellectually do it, but we don't have a connect with those necessarily, those people. There's not much feeling in it and powerless. Therefore, the real issue here is how does one make intercession, reparation, and atonement a power-centered reality which brings real change and miraculous results in the lives of those we pray for and brings about a genuine path to spiritual freedom. We know and hold the truth that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, has done it all in regard to our salvation, objectively speaking. Yet we, we who are baptized into Jesus and live a life in the Holy Spirit, we are invited to participate to some degree with him in the practical application of the saving and healing graces in the lives of individuals and also in various other groups and situations. Now what I'm going to present to you right at this point is a, is a simple formula. It's a prayer formula, and, it, and then I will follow up with commentary about some of the elements. And this is it, and I'll repeat it twice. And if I am going, say for example, well let me give you an example. A number of years back, I was giving a retreat in Pittsburgh to some sisters on top of Bellevue, which is, overlooks the Allegheny uh, General Hospital. And it was Easter Sunday. And in that hospital, there was a young man who was a senior at Franciscan University, and he just had a major serious operation of a brain tumor. So when I finished the retreat about 1 or 2 o'clock, before I went on down the pipe to Steubenville, I decided to stop down and see how Pete was doing. And as I came into his room, I said, uh, Pete, this is uh, Father. Oh, I know who you are, Father, he said. He was conscious. He said, I know who you are. He said, I recognize your voice. I said, okay. I said, how are you doing? He said, I don't know, Father. He said, it's a serious situation, but the doctors are assuring me that, that, there could be, that good things could happen. So anyhow, I prayed with him, I did the anointing of the sick with him, I got in the car, and I was praying, and I was driving down to Steubenville, and I really felt the pain and, and the struggle in this young man's life. And I, I, I sort of went into a time of intercession, and, and I, I, what I did was I, 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 I said, oh, Pete, I'm so sorry for all the hard things that have happened in your life. And I know that it's been difficult and this could be very serious and, you know, you could lose your life. I'm very sorry for all your pain that has happened to you, the suffering and difficulties in this situation and your whole life. And I take limitless responsibility and accountability for all of it. And at that point, I moved my intercession intentionally into the power of Jesus crucified and glorified. And I said to him, 
and I said this prayer before the Father to the Father. Dear Father, I am very sorry that these things have happened to Pete. Pete, I'm very sorry these things have happened to you. Please forgive me. And I, I put it in the eternal now of Jesus and his forgiving mercy can move in every area and every moment of Pete's life. And I said, Pete, I love you. I love you, Pete. In Jesus, in the power of his divine love, in the Father's love, I love you. And I thank you. This is, that is what I said. And I had a, a real powerful sense of the presence of God, and, and I, I felt I felt like the Lord was impressing on me that this this dear brother of mine, Pete, was going to be healed. And I had said this beautiful cleansing prayer, and it was meant to have miraculous results in in Pete's life and in any group life that you pray for this prayer. So I'm going to repeat it again. I am very sorry for all the pain and all that has happened to you, the suffering and difficulties in this situation and in your whole life. I take a limitless responsibility and accountability for all of it. I just kicked it into the divine heart of God. I am very sorry that these things have happened to you. Please forgive me. And I love you. And I thank you. And I just kept on driving. I felt that something beautiful was going to happen. A month later, Pete walked across the stage and received his diploma. And he graduated. And now for a very necessary commentary on this prayer, this wonderful short prayer. Did you notice that the godlike qualities alluded to in some of the statements in this prayer, for example, I take limitless and total responsibility and accountability for all of what's happened to you, could be misleading and questionable at first glance. What's the point here? Once you start praying and you take that responsibility, you are intentionally and consciously, as a member of the mystical body of Christ, you move from your human level and your plane into the heart of God and into the divine plane of power, miraculous power that resides in the heart of God. You connect directly to the power center, the power-centered prayer, because you connect directly and you address the divine. Holy Father, keep them in your name that you have given me. I'm quoting now from John's Gospel, chapter 17. Holy Father, keep them in your name that you have given me so that they may be one just as we are. I pray for those who believe in me so that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be also one in us so that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be brought to perfection as one, that the love with which you love me may be in them and I am in them. John 17, verses 20 to 26. From this point on, your primary prayer and reality is in and directed to the divine. Thus, your prayer now becomes primarily the Lord's prayer, the Lord's action, his will of love, 
is complete salvation for the person or the group that you are praying for. It is not necessary for you to know the outcome. In fact, many times it's better that you don't. But by leaving go and surrendering to the Mm -hmm. divine in this prayer and secondarily praying for the person, you yourself are focused on participating in the releasing of the power and activity of divine love, divine, compassionate, powerful, evoking divine, compassionate love power for that person. And miraculous things may and do happen. The last phrase, and I thank you, quote, and I thank you, this phrase is a deep revealed knowledge that all human beings are children of the Father. Created in the image and likeness of God, each person is a special person with eternal dignity, no matter what they have said or what they have done. Therefore, in union with the divine, we acknowledge their eternal existence and honor the dignity of their personhood no matter what. When we do this in union with the divine, we are honoring God of all creation himself, and we are opening ourselves to receive the powerful love action of God's healing power, not just for whom we're praying for, but the cleansing and the healing for our own lives and our own sinfulness. The origin of this approach comes from the work of a clinical psychologist who served in a mentally ill prison. Using this method of prayer, speaking and relating to the divine without ever talking to any one of the members of the prison or that he was responsible for, in four years, all the inmates were healed to the point where they were able to function again in society and the prison was finally closed. Now, let's look at power-centered intercession. This power-centered intercession is a process of cleansing and love. I love you and cleansing my memories as I pray for the individuals and situations that the Spirit of the Lord brings to my mind. I love you, cleansing, cleansing, I love you. Cleansing, I love you, I love you, cleansing. And as you're in the the experience of the presence of divine love, this cleansing power goes on, you can feel it, and you're aware of it in your mind and your heart. This is the key to the powerful love action of the divine for this other person, this power-centered intercession, atonement, reparation, etc. Of course, it would be a mistake to take on personally the guilt or negative elements in the other person, such as guilt, judgment, or condemnation. That's not what we should do. That's not right. This would be a violation of the process and personally destructive for you, for me. It could also block the Lord from acting in a wonderfully powerful way in the person being prayed for and the healing at the same time which could be happening in me from my unconscious sins and things of the past. Beautiful, beautiful. So then, what are some of the beautiful opportunities and the positive features of this type of power-centered intercession? When one practices this method of prayer, it eventually becomes second nature. The way to understand it spiritually is by practicing it, by doing it, as the Holy Spirit brings people to your mind. 
The light and understanding in the mind increases by the action of the Holy Spirit. There is also an expansion in its meaning and effectiveness for the person or the group or the situation that you're being prayed for. You have connected yourself to the fullness of the power of God's love for that person according to God's will for that person, which you don't have to know about. Because this prayer of intercession is elevated to the level of the divine, miraculous power-centered intercession becomes a reality. Very positive things can happen to the recipient far beyond our hope and expectation. This prayer may be applied far beyond what we may want for the recipient. And we may not need to know or even know the wonderful things the Lord may do for the recipient or what means he uses to bring their healing and transformation and newness of life about. It is in this mode of merciful trust in which we leave go of control and open the floodgates of many blessings for the recipient and for ourselves in a secondary, but in a very real way. This type of power-centered prayer may actually become a mission or a ministry. As we mature in the practical aspects of engaging in this prayer, in the Christian arena, we enter into a dynamic union with the glorified risen Jesus. It is the Spirit and Jesus who do intercession for an individual or group. Both Jesus and the Spirit do intercession for us at the throne of the Father, the throne of mercy and grace. Check out Romans chapter 8 for verification in this. Participating in this dynamic power union of prayer, we with the Spirit and the Son of God become the generating power and center in operation. Of course, the focus is is God and the Spirit and Jesus, but we participate in that. That should bring us to a tremendous, humble awareness of our role in in this mission that Jesus has given us because of his mercy. We become missionary disciples of intercession and atonement, at one with the divine in Jesus, making unheard of wonderful changes for specific individuals and bringing about the building up of the kingdom of God in many situations. This method is also very effective for us to receive the freedom of forgiveness and healing. In a sense, we become self-ministers. I just read an article yesterday about uh, from one of the theologian women theologians, uh, Mrs. Muto, and she talks about all the different ways in which we need to give ourselves spiritual direction and growing in the spiritual life. Well, that she's got a point, a major, major point. We really need to learn how to minister to ourselves in a non-egoistic manner. Unforgiveness is never an issue. If we use this method in a correct manner, forgiveness, even in small manners, will occur. And in great things, the surprises of the Spirit will eventually become evident. So this is, in a sense, it's an example of this prayer of intercession. Just as Pete, we said, So we think about, well, what would this mean? I mean, really, what would this mean, you know, as we do it in in praying for a person? Let me just 
run through it one more final time before we conclude. Jason, Jason, it was caught up in certain kind of addictions. He had all kinds of problems. His life was falling apart, and he was in a very, very difficult place. So I went to the presence of the Lord, and I went to the presence of the Lord in prayer. I placed myself in the presence of the Lord, and I said, Dear Lord, I call upon you to grant me the grace to humbly share with you in, in praying for Jason. So then I address the Lord directly, and I say, Jason, Jason, because I'm now in the, in the presence of oneness with God to do a particular work of ministry. Jason, Jason, I am very sorry for all that's happened to you. I, I know some of your background, and you've been hurt as a little boy, and bad things have happened to you, and things have happened to you, and you were bullied in school, and there's and I go through this whole things that I may or may not know. And then I say, Jason, Jason, I am very sorry that these happened. And I take limitless power in, in union with God to bring forgiveness to you. Please forgive me for all these things that happened to you. Now, I don't take on any guilt for anything from him. For everything that has happened to you, Jason. Everything. And I pray this cleansing prayer for you and I ask you to for, forgive me. And then I say, Jason, now keep in mind, I'm still at the divine level of the power of God's saving love for Jason. Jason, I love you. I love you very, very much. And Jason, I thank you for who you are as a person. I thank you. And I pray that all of the things that the dear Lord wants for your life will occur. And I pray these prayers, these prayers in mercy and from the heart of Jesus, in the Spirit of God, and the Father's love for you. Amen. So very simple. I use that formula to really pray for Jason. I don't know what happens to him. It's God has his will. I don't have control over that. I have submitted myself totally to participating as a, as a servant of mercy, as a humble agent of the Lord, because he calls us and invites us into participating in praying in the powerful, centered way in the atonement of Jesus for Jason. And I've done that. And they, that may happen, and maybe six months later, it'll come back at another different level. So the key thing is to be open internally to what the Spirit is showing us, who he brings into our life, and then connecting it up to the power source, which is always going to be the, the, the pierced heart of Christ and the flowing of the power of the Spirit's love and the Father's mercy. That's what brings the change about in, in the life of those that we pray for. And then... Once we decide to forgive a person and we do forgive the person, we have to let the situation where we were hurt personally go and then we have to not only let things go, and, but we need to then complete it by this type of prayer. Many people come and say, I just, I've been trying and trying and I can't forgive them. I said, you forgive the person. You said you made a decision to begin. The problem is you haven't stepped into the grace and freedom of leaving go and then praying in this intercessory, powerful, love-filled prayer for that person. When you do that, your forgiveness will be complete, 
And what will happen is naturally, and naturally, in, in a gentle way, all of the hurts and negativities of what happened around that person to you will just melt away. You'll be free. You'll have discovered the path, the spiritual path, the path to spiritual freedom. May we pray. Lord Jesus, to know you is eternal life, and I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the Son of the living God. I love you and I place my trust in you. I am sorry. I'm sorry for all of my sins and for withholding myself in any way from you. Please forgive me and heal any pain I have caused others. I forgive anyone who has hurt me and I ask you to bless them. In your name, Jesus, I renounce anything in my life that is not of you that I have welcomed into my mind or heart. And wash me in your mercy, Father, in your, in your Jesus, and fill me with your precious blood and with the Holy Spirit. Father, all of my need for love and for goodness and for affection is found in being your son in your embrace. May I never leave my home in your heart again, and by your grace, I resolve to remain in you in your shelter and abide in your shade where you restore to me the joy of your salvation. Amen. May God bless you. The opinions on this broadcast are those of Father Tickerhoof. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast and please share this podcast with a friend. And to contact Father David, email him at frdavidjt at gmail.com and be sure to leave Father a star rating on any podcast app. You can find more information about Father David on evangelizingcatholicculturepodcast.com.